Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's Conversation With. My name is Terrence Fox, Head of Innovation with iAdvise, and it's my pleasure, as always, to speak with you on why building CX trust breeds organic success. Uh, we have a great quick show for you today. Uh, and before we actually dive in, I challenge each of you to think of the role trust plays in your own buying journey. What is it that you're trusting? Why are you a local, uh, excuse me, a loyal, maybe local too, loyal customer to particular brands? Now more than ever, especially trust is key. And when I looked at one specific example of trust in the buyer's experience and buyer's journey, uh, Forrester did a recent look, look at in-person visits. And when Forrester actually surveyed consumers about their attitudes, attitudes towards companies and their ability to provide effective guidance through the pandemic, we found that the trust was only about 13%. Only 13% said they actually trusted retailers to have their best interests and safety in mind. So while that's actually looking at an in-person example, this topic of trust is extremely important uh, in today's buyer journey and obviously more so than ever before. So to tackle the topic of social trust, we're lucky to be joined by Lynn Hunsaker, and she's the co-founder and chief customer officer of Clear Action Continuum, a consulting group that is known as the customer value growth experts. Uh, and Lynn is, besides being a pleasure to speak to in general, she's an expert through her 30 years of driving customer experience uh, and major, major marketing change for brands like Sunoco, Applied Materials, and others. Uh, and her years teaching on this sort of topic. She actually teaches at UC Berkeley and does Santa, uh, Santa Cruz as well. Uh, she's written four eBooks in numerous articles on the marketing operations industry and guided dozens of companies uh, and was actually inducted into the Customer Think Hall of Fame. So it's my absolute pleasure to be joined by Lynn Hunsaker on why building CX Trust breeds organic success. Lynn, can you hear me? Yes, hello, Terrence. How are you today? Good, I'm feeling a little jazzed up. I feel like I'm talking too fast. So yell at me oh. to slow down if you need, Lynn. I really love that countdown music, and I think it would be a good thing for us all to adopt at the beginning of every meeting. It gives everybody a chance to, you know, re reset, re-energize, re and also kind of get, get their act together, as we all find in this uh, pandemic time of all online meetings. Right. Yeah, it gets the blood moving, which is important, right? Uh, I think everyone's getting used to uh, an unfortunately sedentary lifestyle, so anything... Uh, any upbeat jazz and saxophone will do the trick, right? right <laughs> um, Lynn, talk to me. Uh, how have you been, I'll say, simply entertaining yourself the last 12 months while we've been isolated? Well, I'm a, a big fan of the Today Show. I watch that and get a lot of ideas about what's going on and how people are thinking. Um, I like to follow LinkedIn. I spend quite a lot of time on LinkedIn. I'm in there multiple times a day and uh, love to see what people are posting there. Um, I'm also a big fan of customerthink.com. I am um, mm. a, a big contributor there, but I also find a lot of inspiration in terms of where are people's heads at? What are they advocating as uh, issues, trends, um, mm. solutions? And usually that inspires me to uh, kind of get on my soapbox and add to that conversation. Also the CXPA, cxpa.org. Uh, they've got a wonderful blog, really tremendous uh, inputs there. And their discussion forum is a tremendous source of inspiration and uh, keeping a pulse on where people are at in their thinking. 
Um, I would say that I actually spend um, maybe more time reading and uh, being exposed to things that aren't in customer service and customer experience. Mm. Um, I try to go for things that are about personalities and how we can um, be more harmonious with different uh, viewpoints, which I think yeah. up till so well with 2020. Right. And uh, especially thinking about how general managers and CEOs look at business. And so just talking to other people, say in my walking group or whatever, I find that they often have really pithy and, uh, and insightful ideas about customer experience that somehow get a little bit uh, watered down or we, I don't know, it's kind of the, the trees in the forest conundrum, right. my fellow CXers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, that's great. And I, yeah, with the customer thing hall of fame, Lynn, did they actually take a, a bronze cast of your face and put it on a plaque somewhere as well. I'm thinking well, baseball of fame, of course. We, we haven't gotten that far, but I did get a little uh, trophy memento, and it was uh, only five of us so far who have been entered into that Hall of Fame, so it's quite mm-hmm. a privilege. Yeah, that's wonderful. I was happy to see that. Um, now, Lynn, uh, put yourself in the shoes of a consumer for a second. Mm-hmm. Tell us about a, a memorable digital experience you've had recently. Well, I've had a lot of digital experiences, and I guess the ones that were most pleasing were where I uh, was curious about changing some information in my profile or changing my payment time or my payment amount or, Hmm. um, you know, pausing payment or or anything like that. And I found that a a few websites um, allowed me to do all that myself, and it was pretty straightforward. Um, Occasionally, I needed to ask the chat bot. for help and uh, when that was also, um, you know, very, very short uh, or it immediately got me um, a person, mm-hmm. uh, that was an ideal experience. Um, I can also think of a lot of times and especially at the beginning of the pandemic where it was quite frustrating, yeah. um, especially since it was circular. And so, you know, you would try to do something online and come to a roadblock and then you would call in and then it would be call this other number and then, you know, go to this, go to the uh, physical place. No, we can't do that. Go back online, call this. And so um, what that pointed to me was that um, it's not so much the friendliness and the knowledgeability of the people that you're interacting with. Hmm. I think they, they really try. I think we've done a lot of great work with customer touch points in terms of, um, people's attitudes and, uh, you know, their willingness. But where it gets tripped up is if they're speaking from a script or it's um, or where things are just not out behind the scenes. I think that's the common thread that the behind the scenes in terms of legal or the CFO or or the CMO's viewpoint um, is just off. Right. And so that's where you get into all these little tangles. Yeah, it's, um, you said a few things that I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, you know, one, the, the human escalation we saw is incredibly important, right? If you have AI on your site, um, I, I've told this numerous times on the show that I'm the type of guy who hits zero 100 times to get past the bot to get right to a human. So that human escalation is extremely important, especially the past 12 months. Uh, and then the other piece is that, yeah, you know, when we saw that, uh, the digital experience was down. They were transferring uh, contact center reps or in-house reps to their home office. Uh, supply chain was down. 
it was a real test to the entire end-to-end customer experience, you know? That's uh, right. You got and, a pretty good sense of the ports that are behind the scenes there. Yeah, right, because everyone was uh, kind of exposed, right? Yeah. Um, now, Alin, have you learned anything interesting about yourself as a consumer in the past 12 months? Well, I guess, um, yeah, I... I, I um, you know, I think that uh, being prepared as a as a consumer in terms of, I've always been uh, very active with my city in California for earthquake preparedness and actually, um, you know, joining the the neighborhood group uh, leadership and even teaching classes to fellow neighborhood leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so that got me in the mindset of having toilet paper and water and (laughs) the basics on hand. So when this whole thing uh, started, I felt like I was calmer and, um, you know, I I didn't have that uh, kind of panic type of situation with regard to physical well-being. Um, So I I think that um, I've appreciated uh, certain mindsets that I've built up uh, beforehand in uh, having that kind of calm. Right, so uh, Lynn is a prepared consumer. So we'll <laughs> say much, that. Yeah. Next disaster, go to Lynn's basement. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, quite a number of toilet paper rolls up in the, the rafters of my garage, so no, I never had to go stand in line for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which uh, isn't scary until it's a problem, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, wonderful. And Lynn, th- thank you so much again for being here. Uh, the tap the topic today is of course why building CX trust breeds organic success and you know while a, a portion of this might seem obvious of course uh, it's it's an exciting topic nonetheless especially today uh, before we dive in I know I, I tried to do my best Lynn to give an overview of your history and and why of course you are an expert uh, but tell us a bit about yourself and your expertise especially as it pertains to this topic Sure. So I was uh, a voice of the customer manager about 30 years ago uh, at the beginning of my career, and I was in a strategic planning department. So that's where I reported into. And um, that was a really wonderful place to be because it gave me a purview of the entire company and um, also uh, tentacles into the entire company. Uh, My next role was also voice of customer manager in a semiconductor company in uh, California. And uh, that was also company-wide reporting into quality. And I became head of corporate quality for a few years. And um, well, in that type of a role, I was responsible for um, thwarting a potential crisis where our largest customer was about to leave us. Uh, the, The CEO stood up and said we were really hard to work with and arrogant. And so that was the mandate to not only collect voice of the customer, but make sure that we were doing things with it to engender trust and to right. turn that relationship around. And sure enough, we did. So um, I learned a lot from that. And that's what I'm all about now is helping people figure out how to um, really use customer insights throughout the company so that right. you have these behind the scenes uh, smoothness. So uh, Lynn, let's get to the meat of the discussion too. Now, what is social trust? Well, social trust is like any other trust. It's really about uh, having a, a sense of competence mm. in uh, who you're dealing with and uh, having feeling that they're being transparent with you so that uh, you're, you're not worried about playing games or um, 
you know, anything else. You can just focus on the relationship. And I think that's where we uh, come to organic growth, right? Organic growth, I want to just spend a moment about. It's where you are seeing that people want to buy more. They want to tell people more about your brand. Well, you don't have to put fertilizer on it, fertilizer on it right? It's organic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. You're not having to entice it through advertisement or, uh, you know, various engagement things. Customers just feel like you get them. Mm. They feel like it's a hand and glove experience for them, that they, they're, you're their go-to right. uh, naturally, right? So that's what we mean by organic growth, that you don't have to be putting so much effort on it, such as, you know, the akin to fertilizer, or growing by mergers and acquisitions and uh, new product launches and things like that, which are always going to be part of business, but you definitely want to see less churn organically. Right. Uh, and this concept of social trust, Lynn, I don't mean to pick on them, but they're the easiest target for me at least. But when I, when I think of social trust, I think of naturally a car salesman, right? Uh, and the reason why maybe when you're working with a car salesman, maybe you're not entirely comfortable with them. Maybe you don't believe they have your best interests in mind. And I think it's something that everyone has gone through, right? Uh, buying a car can be intimidating. You have to put a lot of trust in the person that you're working with that they've got your best intentions in mind. Uh, but then on the other side, you have a, a wonderful experience, uh, maybe car shopping. Uh, you can see the impact that trust has throughout that journey and the importance of it. Uh, but like you said, that of course is, is directly tied to that organic growth, right? Um, if I had a great, uh, I'm one of five brothers, there's Fox brothers all throughout New England. And if, if I had a good experience at X car salesman and, and felt that trust, that sort of connection and growth, I can, of course, it'll build off of and, and expand through my network, for example. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a super neat topic uh, that I think is very easy to kind of analyze your own experiences for. That's right. And I, I really learn about trust through Edelman. It's E-D-E-L-M-A-N. And if you go to that website, you'll find that they do a trust study every year. They publish it in January. So the 2021 is, um, you know, a real call to, to action, a real um, eye opener for uh, leaders across the world. Mm -hmm. And I just want to help everyone understand the way that they've um, talked about trust as the old framework or the new framework. So what you're talking about with that uh, kind of used car salesman um, cliche is that there's a focus solely on profit, right. right? You know that they're just out for your money. And so they're all about protecting their brand, controlling information and standing alone, you know, being independent. Whereas the new trust architecture is about profit with purpose. Mm. You're, you know why you why you are um, in existence right. because uh, you know that your customers are actually the source of your profit, mm. and it's not that your investors are really the source of your existence. The investors depend on your customers as you do for right. dividends, budgets, and salaries, and therefore there's a true appreciation for customers through and through. And how we demonstrate that profit with a purpose is through transparency, um, admitting mistakes, um, showing what we're working on, uh, showing our progress, um, being humble about uh, awards and such, and uh, you know, helping people see that you know, we're multidimensional, we're, we're human, 
<laughs> a business is not just, you know, a, a building or something like this. It's we're human, and therefore engaging with all of the stakeholders. And so the more modern uh, approach to running a business is on this new trust architecture of profit with purpose, transparency, and engagement with five key stakeholder groups. And that is first and foremost customers, and then employees, and then your uh, suppliers, your um, the uh, investors, and um, community. So this is something that CEOs have bought into uh, over the past couple of years in a very explicit way by signing what the business roundtable calls the uh, purpose of business that uh, to serve all these five stakeholder groups equally rather than having an overemphasis on investors. Um, that's a great. And thank you, Fritz, for putting that up. Uh, the link to Edelman, I'm sure he'll put in the comments, uh, comments as well. Uh, but thank you, Lynn, for sharing that. Uh, have you seen uh, any recent shifts in social trust? I mean, I, obviously, this profit with purpose is key. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting. The 2021 report shows that uh, trust has taken a nosedive. Uh, social media has used to be a source, but now it's the least trusted source behind government, behind right. um, the media itself, mainstream media. Uh, actually, business is seen right now to be the most trustworthy mm. uh, spokesperson. And within business, the CEO is, um, is, has a real opportunity at this moment to step up and uh, advocate the top uh, five things that the people care about um, with business. And that's, you know, having, showing that you... Um, are in existence, not just for profit, but right. for a broader purpose, right? right? Um, being transparent, um, having a, a, a good respect for your employees and customers' safety and well-being, mm -hmm. and showing that publicly. Um, so it's things along those lines that really uh, help people to feel that companies are the ones that, you know, which companies they want to deal with, which companies they want to, to, uh, you know, build strong bonds with. Mm. Um, have you seen anyone that's made you, uh, that's impressed you? Well, um, I have to say that anyone who's impressed me has also had another side to the coin. Right. <laughs> but, um, well, I, I really was um, impressed with uh, service champions. They're a local... Um, uh, or a service organization for say your HVAC system and things like yeah. that and hot water heater I had all of those things uh, conk out on me at the beginning of the pandemic and so it was especially nerve-wracking that you know we had to wear masks and I was afraid right. that you know they were coming in my house and all this they handled it really wonderfully um, better than I've ever experienced any um, you know home provider of any sort uh, in the past. Uh, I really like that. Um, the CXPA has always been very um, amazing to me in how they handle um, questions or um, you know, complaints or anything like that. I feel like they're very straightforward. And I, American Express has been one that I've appreciated on the business side. 
Um, they tend to be pretty proactive in communicating things. Um, but as I said, <laughs> there's you know, two sides to every coin for, for everybody. Well, we all have uh, some room for improvement. Yeah, and that concept of communication comes up again. It, it does in almost every one of these sessions that we have, right? Uh, uh, if the uh, consumer is left to guess or is unaware, and if you're not over-communicating, uh, you're creating gaps in the experience where the consumer can get frustrated or, or feel alone, right? Um, so let's, uh, uh, let's talk about B2B versus B2C. Uh, is B2B actually behind B2C when it comes to customer experience, in your opinion, Lynn? Well, I actually did a five-year study of B2B customer experience practices. And at that time, this is a 2010, 2010 to uh, 2015, there was one, uh, one year gap, but hmm. um, I was finding some very interesting things there. Um, one, that what people were doing um, most commonly was not necessarily a best practice when you did the correlation to what people were seeing as, you know, strong business results coming out of their customer experience or having a more holistic and mature uh, customer experience uh, management system in place mm. the that those guys were doing were in the, uh, the minority. Okay. So I identified six uh, key success factors there. But then when I compared what uh, I was finding in my study to what, say, Forrester was showing in their studies at that time, the majority of the Forrester participants were not B2B. They were consumer. That's been okay. historically their strength. Um, I found that there was very little gap in the way that we are doing customer experience practices. So I've always been surprised when I'm seeing these articles and uh, you know, claims everywhere I look that B2B is really far behind and B2B is kind of, you know, in the stone ages or maybe babyish for um, using personas or using that promoter score or using whatever journeys, journey maps. I find that people are, um, first of all, lumping all B2B companies in one, or right. they might be looking at a certain type of B2B company, for example, um, early growth um, SaaS companies software as a service. Yeah. Uh, so you need to be specific about what type of B2B company you're, you're referring to because mm. uh, there's tons and tons of small and medium-sized B2B companies. There's also uh, large B2B companies that sir, you know, give uh, supply things like paper clips or paper. Um, right. There's other ones that do uh, close to rocket science type of stuff. You know, I mean, tremendous... Uh, tremendous precision required, say, for example, putting a freeway overpass together. If something's off by an inch, you know, that's a major screw up. Um, in the semiconductor industry where you've got, uh, you know, chips smaller than the fingernail and uh, materials being layered on there, hundreds of layers, you know, at the very, very uh, tiny, tiny <laughs> uh, micro um, level. Um, it's just amazing what B2B is pulling off. So um, I think that B2B tends to get short shrift. And I've just written an article about that on customerthink.com. It's called 10 B2B Customer Experience Myths and How to Improve Your Customer Experience Maturity. Uh, so on that topic, and I'm sure Fritz is working on it uh, the link side as well. Um, what do you feel are the quick things B2C can learn from B2B? 
Well, first of all, that um, B2B tends to have some things that are already built in for customer experience excellence. Hmm. And that is the fact that they tend to have uh, dedicated uh, account teams because they're dealing with very large scale uh, purchases. Uh, sometimes these purchase cycles are lengthy. And uh, with these account teams, there tends to be a lot of built-in customer service and um, customer success as just part and parcel of what they do. So we need to give credit where credit's due in terms of the types of things that B2B has built in. Mm. And not worry too much about whether B2B is using specific CX tools. It really doesn't matter what tools you're using. For example, when I go to a conference, I don't really hear that much about what Disney is doing, what Nordstrom is doing, and what I sometimes hear about USAA. Um, but, you know, those, the brands that um, you feel like they just get it. Right. They're just freaking getting it. They don't necessarily have to use, you know, these specific tools. Right. Um, actually, they're putting more emphasis when you look at the common threads. And uh, one of my friends, uh, James Dodson, has done a fair, fairly good uh, analysis of looking at um, what drives uh, Virgin and, uh, and Disney and such. The, the common thing is that they, their CEO, their C team has adopted a North Star that's based on how they want customers to feel. Right. And this North Star is sacred. I mean, it's a, it's a, um, it's so strong for them that it's a basis for how they analyze the business, how they review performance of individuals and uh, groups, um, how they make their decisions, capex, opex. Um, mm. It might be even the basis for, you know, what you're out of here. You've crossed that line, right? And it really shapes what the legal team uh, decides on, what the CFO decides on, how they do their billing you know, everything that they do behind the scenes that actually is the source of most of the problems that we have as customers where there's just a misalignment, right? right. And so I think that um, um, that's what B2B and B2C need to do better on. Mm. But that is really the, uh, the ultimate thing that we should be benchmarking, not benchmarking techniques. Got it. Um, Lynn, I've already kept you for 27 minutes. Oh, wow. Well, uh, <laughs> one last question I have for you. As it pertains to trust and the role you see trust playing in the customer experience, uh, Lynn, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball and make a prediction for 2021 and uh, take this however you want. But uh, you know, looking down the road, what do you feel is going to be integral in 2021 or, or what would you recommend? Uh, to major brands and retailers looking ahead? Well, people, companies who can uh, embrace these uh, hallmarks of trust, which are uh, profit with a purpose, transparency, and engaging at the customer, employee, uh, supplier, community, and, uh, and investors uh, more equally, hmm. those are going to be the ones who will win in the long run here, even maybe in the short run, because people are plain frustrated with fake news, with selfishness, right. with, uh, jumping over hoops. We've got plenty of time now that we're not commuting to, you know, complain about it to one another and to try to find a better way. I've been really surprised by the housing market, for example, that people are just buying up houses because 
you know, it, it, that um, we're fed up with <laughs> with the the situation we were in up until now, and you know, we're making changes. I think that this is something we can see with buying patterns as well. People are getting more fed up, but they're going to be um, migrating. So uh, this is the time now to really embrace transparency and engender trust through and through, not just with customer touch points, mm. but in all the nooks and crannies of our business. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for your time. Lynn has made her bet for 2021. Uh, it, it was a pleasure, Lynn. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. Uh, I loved it, Terrence. Thanks so much. Take care. Absolutely. Uh, so in closing, uh, have you ever wanted a wine, but not a glass of wine, but not the whole bottle? Uh, me too. So join us next week to talk uh, with us and uh, uh, Coravin uh, out of Cambridge, Massachusetts, to discuss improving efficiencies with your own uh, with your own CX. Man, I'm really stumbling through this. It sounds like I had a glass of wine. Uh, but join us next week at 11 a.m. Eastern. Thank you all for talking with us today. <laughs>